You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Battalion Chief Brian Mulry. This is our annual ProFit episode. Today we're speaking with Captain Joy Garcia about her long career as a member of FDNY EMS and her approach to staying fit. Welcome, Joy. Hey, thank you for having me. All right, great. This is your first time guest. Uh, we like to start off with a quick bio, where you got started and uh, where you worked throughout your career. I've worked in a few places. I'm grateful for that experience. I started in 2003, and that was where my journey began. So I started in the South Bronx, born and raised there, and actually with the hospital where I was born, I'm the adjunct station. So Lincoln Hospital, I actually started at EMS Station 14, where I got to service the community for I would say five to seven years. Then I ventured to EMS Battalion 19 and 15 and became an instructor at the academy for several years. I there earned my paramedic certification, worked at Station 54 for some time. When I got promoted to lieutenant, I served the community of Harlem and EMS Station 16 and 10, and even ventured at Station 4, just to get different cultures, communities, and serve, and also practice my Mandarin, which I actually did with the Phoenix Society, so that was really nice to get to do. I am now captain at EMS Station 19, where I was also an EMT, so that's a nice round circle right there. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I'm sure we've crossed paths in the, in the past, because my career has been in a very similar since 2002. <laughs> I've spent most of my time in, in Bronx and Harlem. And also, oh, okay. Yeah. So then most likely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure we have. And you got started early, right? Didn't you start? Yes. Yes, I did. Why so, don't you talk about that? You know, seems so young. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what inspired you to shoot for FDNY EMS? Was that always the goal? Ironically, it wasn't my goal, but I grew up in the South Bronx. And there was a lot of tumultuous experiences that I saw at an early age. And... In one of our FDNY version of TED Talks, we have the 10 talks here at headquarters, I got to express the story that got me introduced to what I thought was life-saving work, and it hit very close to home. So my mother, unfortunately, had taken too much medication, and she overdosed on something that was supposed to heal her and help her. It ended up causing her to go unconscious, and what saved my moment, my day, was seeing paramedics come and actually have her respond well to treatment and care. And they took her to the hospital. So I think that left a really poignant mark in my life because that wasn't the only time I saw EMS responding to make something that seemed so challenging better. Sadly, in the area that I grew up, there was a lot of times that there was high 911 response. But for some reason, I associated that with they are going to make it better. It left an imprint on me. And so therefore, when I came of age to become a first responder, I joined the department from the age of 18 going on 19. And I have been here since trying to do the same thing and influence the community the same way. Yeah, that's great. What has been the most surprising thing about this job to you? The most surprising thing is how our behavior and energy impact people with just our presence. When we walk into a room, we have the ability to help people transition their day, their moment, and that impact goes beyond words. It's just what we are, what we represent. They see our uniform, and they can be the public. It can be our own membership. So being a part of that has really allowed me to cultivate what I want to represent. What is my energy presenting when I step into a room? What's the exchange I want to have with my membership, with my community? And later, I learned by what 
people have told me their accounts. Oh, you fostered this nature for me to go to this academy, for me to go for this position. When I didn't even know, I actually fostered that energy. And I always remind them, I said, you did it. Whatever I triggered, you're the one that activated it and you applied it to what you want to do, be it a promotion, be it transitioning into another role, you took that role. And even in patient care, we have the ability to do that. So I think that's the most momentous moment that I think I've experienced here. Yeah, most times when people call us, it's on their worst day. And mm -hmm. our presence alone, they were expecting us to make it better. It is. What I also notice is there's that quote when they say, don't remember what you said, but they remember how you made them feel. And if we could think about that with everyone we come in contact, I think we can make the day a little better. Yeah, I'd say so. This is our annual ProFit episode, and that's the focus uh, of this podcast, which means we'd like to dig into your background in fitness and athletics. <laughs> How'd you come upon it? Was it something you were always into, or just tell us about your journey there? So my journey with fitness has been... It's taken a toll on me in the essence of why I joined. Normally we cater to, in our service, making things well. So I needed to get my body into a wellness factor. I learned that I had an autoimmune disorder, which caused my body to start doing things that are just all over the place. They're not <laughs> what's common and without going into full detail of all the expressions, because I would say I'm a medical anomaly with certain <laughs> things. Um, I wasn't well, I wasn't feeling like myself. And I decided to start doing mixed martial arts, which is not traditional for me. And I learned a lot of details, but it wasn't the flow that I needed. I found myself getting more intense and I wanted something to balance the duality. I wanted something to calm my mind so that my body could be more efficient. And from MMA and learning the skills. So I didn't come quite proficient, but I got the basics. And then thereafter, I actually decided to start taking yoga, which are different in their arts, but they have a discipline. They have an application that you build your routine. Once I did yoga, my body started doing things that I was told I couldn't. And that was my motivation. And to be honest, to get medical professionals to admit that, oh, we thought you couldn't do this. And I'm like, look at me now, though. <laughs> so that was really Best big. motivation, right? Yeah, I was <laughs> able to get that. My diet fell into alignment. Practice became more regular, and so much so that that inspired me to become an instructor and take different modalities in those classes, teaching prenatal yoga, partner yoga, teaching power yoga. It took me into different ventures. And then now I'm on my next level and transition. So I'm more fit in, you know, now that I'm 37 than when I first started the job, even though I look quite the same, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been fortunate enough to teach at the department. Never would I have imagined, and literally to see the department in the audience here at headquarters and everyone doing a tree pose. But it happened in my career, and I was part of it. And that was amazing to see all of us united, civilian, chiefs, EMS, depression, all of us as a department doing this act together was amazing. And funny enough, some of my main participants and or supporters are the membership. I've been able to teach people with injuries how to prevent injury, how to alleviate their discomfort and or learn how to utilize the core muscle groups that are not injured so they could support themselves better. I think that's the main selling point for a lot of people because if you ask everybody, especially as they start getting older, you know, I'm getting into my 50s, I'm not happy to say, but everybody will say they want to be active for as long as they can, you know, and everybody has a different definition of that. Mm -hmm. 
But I think what people realize, and like I know myself, I've had some real injuries in the past year or two, things that would not have caused injuries when I was younger. So I think from a longevity perspective, it seems like physical fitness is so much more prevalent these days. That's just my impression. And I just think people want to be active. And can't say I've done yoga or anything like that, but I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> because, again, uh, I know being more flexible, I could see there'd be benefits just from, from an injury prevention solely, never mind the other benefits, which, you know, I'm sure you know well, well about. Right, and expounding on that, we have our vehicles. Like, if we have a car, we take it for tune-ups, we understand the mechanics. If not, we find someone to help us with that. Our body is the only thing we ever truly own. We're in it every day. And to learn its basic dynamics and how it functions will prevent injury, but also allow you to expand your fitness horizon. So if you're able to be in your body, grounded, but also cultivate the strength in places that you overlooked. So some people are thinking, oh, we're only stretching in yoga, when in actuality, there are strength building and core activation that we don't do in our daily practices. And especially when I'm teaching a core yoga class, that's when the membership is like, this is tough. You know, we're restraining joy. Are we holding it for this long? And I'm like, yeah, we sure are. I'll do it with a smile. <laughs> Give us a sense of what your general fitness routine looks like today. I incorporate mind-body connection predominantly. So lately I have ventured into cycling at home and I do that every day, minimal 30 to 45 minutes. I think uh, if there's one industry that's gotten the biggest boom out is pandemic, it might be uh, the cycling industry. I was <laughs> yes. reading an article the other day, the whole stationary cycling industry is now a billion dollar industry. and largely due to this pandemic, everybody seems to have one. I have one. <laughs> I have one, and at first I didn't believe how impactful it would be, but I think because it's a collection of people working out together, we're forgetting that in this pandemic, community is hard to harness. We go to the gyms, but we're disassociating from the space. And I think when you're able to do that in your home and still have the community I don't know, giving high fives or whatever it is that you feel that's going to support you in your venture. I've been able to do that 30 to 45 minute, okay, we're going to do this. And I got to say, those uh, instructors are sassy enough for me to get it together. And it reminds me of myself because sometimes you need that push. You need that experience to say, hey, you've got this. If not, I, I mean, if I could do what you're doing it with me, let's do this together at your level, not my level. I know what I'm capable of. What are you capable of? So... I think my cycling practice has gotten me into that and to see my body change for what it was. We've all had our challenges in COVID, but we can all agree, I think, um, and I don't want to presume that our bodies were different from when we started. We had so many different things. Our cortisol levels were high. Our stress was high. We ate differently, went available. And so my cardio experience has definitely changed. And this is from when I started the job because of my medical history. My resting heart rate, which is not good, was around 122, 130. And the medications added to that. For an 18-year-old, that's unheard of. But now my resting heart rate is like 52. And I'm like, yes, score. <laughs> yeah. That's good. And you attribute that to the going into the cycling aspect of it? Due to the stress levels and the lack of time during the pandemic, like my main goal was, okay, my membership and my community, what am I doing here? So my heart rate did elevate from the 50s to 80s, 90s, which is not good for me or anyone if you're going above your normal range. But understandably so, I think everyone was out of their element worldwide. 
So the discipline is what got it back. Just doing something every day. I don't care what the something is. It could be lunges at home. It could be your body training at home. Something that you dedicated your you time. That release of stress allowed my heart rate to get back to its norm. So now I do my cycling. I do core quite often just to engage, right? That's where we operate from. Our core values in our mentality, but our core and our body help us do all the other functions. So I do core every day, alternative, you know, whatever it is that I see fit. It could be yoga, it can be weights. Um, and developing a schedule and a discipline has been useful. So my body weight exercises have been great. Weights have been off the shelves for a while, but I've been grateful that I got myself some weights before all of this happened. So my downstairs is officially my, my gym and wellness area. And then I always finish off my practice, whatever it is I've done for the day. I do a minimal of hour, hour and a half workout, but I always finish with a minimal, a 10 minute meditation. A 10 minutes to ingrain, okay, where am I in my body? A body scan, head to toe, what am I feeling? Are there injuries? Did I push it? Did I not push enough? The questions I wanna see to make myself grow. And then I'm able to take on the world. <laughs> Ready to go. Yeah, I think there's been a boom in home gyms as well, right? Mm-hmm. You talked a little bit about the coronavirus, and I thought maybe we'd get into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at it a year ago when it started. Uh, the coronavirus outbreak here in the city was uh, tremendously bad. The EMS field units, they were at the tip of the spear, along with the CFR engine personnel. Mm-hmm. These are the people that were going in and really faced the brunt of what was going on. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you when it first hit? So when it first hit, it was almost as if, you know, that moment, like, we're not in Kansas anymore. I've had the ability to serve the community during different experiences. Like, it's not the first time we've had something that is not common to us. We've had Ebola. We've had attacks here in the city. We've had things that are historically changing to our department and our communities. But this factored in so differently because I think the inundation of our workload and understanding that this is so much more than we've normally experienced. How do we maintain our energy to be able to serve? And also, how do we come to terms with being able to accept the things we cannot change? Being able to accept the fact that we are going to do our best, but our best is not gonna look like our best outcome traditionally looks. That was the most challenging experience. The first few weeks, we saw an increase in the calls It was challenging to observe and then understand that this is gonna be our norm for a while. And how do we maintain our resilience in this? But I have to say the, the men and women of our service, they stepped up and I couldn't be more proud to be with them and to be able to lead with them and also just be a part of that movement to try to do our best in every call. How did the year evolve for members of the EMS? I think for our membership, it evolved because it's what we do, right? We acclimate to every experience, even when it's challenging. We see this challenge and how do we get better? So we did get more equipment. We did get different procedures. They were coming out on the daily, right? And this was a worldwide experience. Yeah, there were changes constantly being updated with whatever information. And we would adapt and overcome. So we'd get a new piece of equipment. We'd get a new role. And at first say, okay, what is this? How are we going to do it? And try to apply it. And I think that's what allowed us to grow. It allowed us to say, okay, maybe we're not used to this, but we're going to make it happen because that's what we do. We make it happen. We serve the community under 
the most distressing experiences. And not to mention, our membership had their home lives as well impacted by this. Then they in turn were getting ill because of exposures and exhaustion and fatigue, which is natural. I think this was not only citywide, but worldwide. But what I will say is that with the new changes and adapting to them, they applied it so well because we are versatile that way. Every time we get something new, we have new protocols change all the time. And we, we learn from it. And I'm glad to be a part of that. I really am. It's an incredible time the past year, I'll say for sure. Very difficult. I know the department has, uh, they are pushing the yoga and meditation thing. You see it in different places where you hadn't seen it before. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could tell us about it. During the days that the pandemic was progressively more challenging, I think from the beginning, the initiative is we had meditation offered through the department every single day via some form of remote access that was offered initially. So it evolved from meditations daily to stretches, how to do some yoga practices at home, and they were accessible so that you'll be able to have an opportunity to decompress, to have a moment and get into your body. Because when we're serving other people, how can we care for anyone if we're not taking care of ourselves? And during the peak of this experience, I don't think we had a grasp of that yet. So when the department offered these experiences, I was grateful to be a part of it. And then to see it evolve that it's still now Mindful Mondays, we still have access. I think they're gonna grow into other expressions as well, applying some more fitness components so that we can do and maintain ourselves. Even after the peak expression is um, some of the ways that I've seen that evolve. Why don't you talk about that also while we're on this subject, self-care for first responders based on the past year's experience, really highlights the importance of it. Self-care for first responders is almost like um, an ironic statement, right? The self-care for first <laughs> responders, what's that? We care for others, not for ourselves, right? Um, but <laughs> what I'm seeing is that people are taking more of a vantage point and saying, okay, wait, I have to ground myself. And that can be in anything. Some have taken on to uh, Zoom workouts. I think we've all figured out a remote way of gaining accessibility to one another because in the end, we still need a community. We work as a team, be it on an engine or a truck, an ambulance, a station, our civilian members, our teams. We have to do that. We work together. And I think the department embraces that. So what I'm noticing is that remotely people are forming new ways to construct some type of community venture as well as self-care at home, okay, I have to take at least five minutes to myself and either journal, do some sit-ups, maybe some lunges if it's physical. If it's mindfulness, now we have so many different aspects like the Mindfulness Mondays or literature that's being supported that we can do this. And even at the station, I put like a mindfulness corner up. So there's a reference there. I know that at times there can be stigmas to self-care because it sounds like selfish but it's not, self-care is important. We integrate that into our daily routine and we're able to care for others. So taking those moments of decompression, we have MPI that the department has become a part of with other components that have your mental performance initiatives supported in that as well. I think on a high stress job, if you do not focus on your breathing, <laughs> which is taught at the academy, thankfully, I think that you would have a different approach if you don't get centered in those high stress because at the end, our bodies are going to respond to stress. 
we are subject to the same stresses as everyone else. However, we have different tools available, supported by the department, for us to cope with these things. And it allows us to perform better at home. Those breathing techniques work just like when you're talking to your child or sibling or friend or partner, as well as when you see that we're all responding to, you know, a seven alarm or a train derailment. You're like, okay, I need to breathe right now because my stress level is at a 10 and I need it to function. Maybe get it to a one or two, three tops. I'll have to use those techniques with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to breathe. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give fellow members that are perhaps struggling to find time to get into that routine? Are we so busy these days? What's a good way for people to get started? I would say start with five minutes. Some people think that getting grounded or getting fit has to have an elaborate routine. And let's be real, we have 24 hours in a day and we squeeze 32 hours or more in that day of work. <laughs> so ideally, if we can give ourselves five minutes, five minutes of I'm going to focus on breathing and or I'm gonna focus on doing a five minute walk. I know of one teacher that every time they cross a doorway, they do some exercise. So they'll do, they stop in the doorway, they'll do five squats and then keep on walking. Of course, that may look outlandish. However, they got their squats in. <laughs> it's, it's your reminder and you're worth it. We are worth it. If we're going to serve the community, we have to be our best selves. So giving ourselves five minutes to start, it could be when you wake up or before you go to bed, minimally. And have a little reminder. We use our phones for everything. I have a reminder on my phone, and I utilize it as, okay, you have to wake up and breathe today. Granted, we do it all the time, but when do we consciously have a moment? So those things help. And forming a community. Have an accountability partner. I think that's the best thing. I literally just spoke to one of my friends on the way here and I'm saying, hey, so what are you gonna do today? And the question already is known. Oh, she's asking what fitness thing that I have <laughs> scheduled for myself. Yeah, well, I listen, one thing that may come out of this, you know, everybody connected on GoToMeeting or Zoom mm -hmm. is it's easier. Yes. And you know, it's not, oh, we'll meet you at the gym. It's, all right, I'm gonna go online. Mm -hmm. And I think us as a department, we do well with challenges. We're comfortable in the uncomfortable expressions. And that's almost like a Buddhist technique. Like you get comfortable in that understanding that it's natural to have some type of suffering or discomfort in our daily lives. But what do we do with that? And it's our motivation here to change and do better as a department. So with that being said, I tell my membership, you know, what can we learn from this expression? What are we doing here? And those five minutes allow you to do better in those experiences, at least in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, I agree also with your five minute to get started, starting with a small commitment of time, because what it really is, and I know it's for me speaking personally, is it's all about momentum. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, everybody misses a day or two or three, but when it gets beyond that, your momentum starts to fade. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it happens to everybody. Sometimes you fall out, but then to keep it going is really the, uh, the best way to keep a fitness routine going is just keep that momentum rolling. I agree, and in alignment with that, don't be so hard on yourself. Half of the time that you let something go, it's because there were other things that warranted your time and other things that came up that were unforeseeable, or sometimes they were foreseeable. Okay, today is gone, let's be in the present. Tomorrow's not here yet, so let's not get the anxiety of tomorrow, let's not get the frustration of yesterday, let's be present. It's the best gift, as cliche as it sounds, to give to ourselves. 
even the simple things, like I have uh, someone, it's like, I can't put my hands behind my back. I said, okay, start with your fingertips. Grab a rope and see how you're going to stretch your body. Because when we were babies, we all were able to do this. So somewhere along the line of doing our humanity, we were disengaged with our bodies. And it's not to get there. It's to get to your best level of self. And that's different for everyone. So honor that. Yeah. I was really fit as a baby. <laughs> I could, you should have seen me. <laughs> Let's get into some of the special projects that you, you do here in the FDNY. Tell us about your work with the peer support team. What is it and how can members get connected to their resources? As I was saying before, the department adapted to a lot of challenges during this pandemic. And one of the things that were provided were the peer support counseling team. Me being a part of that is something that I've been wanting to see. Granted, not in the middle of a pandemic, but the call was answered by the department that we needed some support mentally because we're undergoing experiences never seen, felt, or heard before, both at home and in our workspace environments. So forming the mental health team or being a part of it was a beautiful expression in the essence that we were able to, in a short time, receive training and do what we normally attempt to do, but sort of applying it in a really high stress area. I wanna to talk to you not as only as a member, but as a human and acknowledge, hey, what's going on? I think going for that training was one of the best parts of my career in the essence of we're gonna not only think about making sure that we're physically fit, but we're mentally able to decompress. And teams were going out to each station. I was being sent to different places in crisis, which was something that we've never done before. And the membership was responding well because sometimes we just have to ask, how was your day? How are you doing? What's going on? Thereafter, other members were being trained and then sent back into the field. So now everyone's operating within quarters and able to see, hey, I see one of the members that are just seeming distressed or even preemptively, let me check in with everyone at the station. What's going on? Sometimes you'll feel that there's an overlying blanket of energy, and we have to burst that bubble and say, what's going on? Is there someone feeling overwhelmed, or is there something that we're not celebrating? Even distressing times, you can celebrate people's good points. When you did a great job and you resuscitated someone, and it actually went in the direction that your skills are led up to do, I think we can focus on that now. It's okay to say you're doing a great job, even though it's a little gray outside because we all are doing our best. So being part of mental health really allowed me to embrace that, but also the way that it's expanded and how many teams have grown and the leadership and the captains and chiefs that were in alignment with that, as well as all the members who stepped up and volunteered and signed up and said, I wanna do this training. So the availability and me being a part of that was amazing. I've been wanting to see something like that for years. I wasn't expecting it to happen in the way that it did, but I'm glad that I was able to be a part of it. Sounds like a great initiative. Well, listen, that's great. We appreciate you taking your time out of your day. Come speak with us. Uh, it's been very informative. I certainly learned a bunch. Thank you, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. All right, Joy. I'm so see you out there. Yes, see you out there. And thanks for listening to this edition of the FDNY Pro Podcast. For more training and information from our subject matter experts, go to fdnypro.org. FDNY Pro is online at fdnypro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest.
24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And when seconds count, the men and the women of the FDNY are there for us, to protect us and keep us safe when the unthinkable happens. No matter the challenge, no matter the danger, our firefighters and EMTs serve with honor, dedication, and bravery. New York's bravest are there for us. Let's be there for them. Your support of the FDNY Foundation ensures that the world's best fire department has the world's best training, equipment, and education. Go to FDNYFoundation.org and help New York's bravest save a life today.